This is episode seven of Mad Unreal. My name is Arthur, and I am joined by Isaac, my comrade. What's happening? What up? What up? I feel so, like we just started um, Star Wars month. December of 2019 feels like Star Wars month, right? Yeah, I've already got going on. my tickets. You got tickets already? Uh-huh, I do okay. for Friday morning, like early morning, at 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> Breakfast. Breakfast with uh, Ray and Finn and, and the crew, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So wait, so um, your boy, your boy Finn left the script under the bed, man. Your, your Why did Finn it have to be the brother? Why did it have to be the brother? I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was the of first all thought of the people <laughs> who would have received scripts. <laughs> You know Gotta that was the Finn. first thought when you saw it. Was like, why did it have to be the brother? Yeah, under the bed, not even like you know at his agent. So you know, someplace tactical. It was like, yeah, under yeah. the bed. Yeah, and now I'm a little surprised that he admitted that, mm-hmm. at least at least publicly. It's one thing to be like, okay, you know what, Kathleen? Yeah, I moved. I left that joint under the bed because you know <laughs> they weren't gonna say anything. I mean, even J.J. Abrams was like, there's you know an actor. Mm-hmm. Who did this? Mm-hmm. But he didn't give the dis, you know. Why do he have to be so specific though? Why not just in my room? Why? What? Why Thank under you. the bed? Was he like? Thank was you. he trying to say? Oh, you know, it wasn't like I left it out. Yeah. <laughs> it was. You it know, was underneath I mean, my bed. If, it was in a secure location. You know, I mean, I'm wonder if, and I'm thinking about his appearance on Fallon when you know they had the they had the the Sith lights going and they were in the hoods and all that. I wonder if he was doing that from a public. Not like sympathy, but just a public, like you know, you know, like, you know, shit happens kind of moment to get to get kind of <laughs> to not be completely in the doghouse. So what's what's I mean, quickly, what's the, the story? Is he is he saying that a cleaning staff person took it? Is yeah. that the claim? Yeah, that he you know, he left it under his bed. He forgot that he put it there or left it there. He moved and apparently a cleaning. He moved. Um, he let he like moved out. He moved out. That mm. being said. He's a cleaning woman, found the script, gave it to someone who then put it on eBay for $85. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. I missed that part. I missed that part. $85? $85. $85. Yeah. Not even euros. $85. So apparently, however it went, a Disney staffer, he let them know something, but Disney bought the script. Wow. Back. And so... Star Wars is saved, presumably. Wow. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Cause I, and again, you know, I started this by saying I don't understand why he was so specific about, hey, I left it under the bed, or at least said that publicly. Mm-hmm. Because some years ago, um, I can't remember the debut of the iPhone 4. I want to say that was 2009 or 2008. And there was an engineer who left it in a bar, who left the prototype, a working prototype, he was testing it, mm-hmm. along, left it in a case in a bar. <laughs> it was recovered. It was found. Was he a brother too? It, <laughs> no, we don't, what, here, there we go. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Uh-huh. And it was picked up or delivered to a blog called Engadget. And mm-hmm. Gadget ran the story full on. This is the iPhone 4 revealed. Got into huge trouble with Apple. Did they, I, with, they, they ran the story with images. 
with images. Wow. Um, and this was a major redesign, if I recall correctly, right? iPhone that's right. 3, whatever, to the 4, that was a big redesign. That's right. That was glass on both sides. That was a steel antenna. Yeah. You know, and in, the, and in the article, they were trying to figure out what all this stuff was, like what the silver thing was. Like, why do the design like that? Mm-hmm. But the iPhone 4 was designed where the antenna is encased in the, in the steel frame that runs the full perimeter of the phone, glass on each side. Right. Right. The, but here's the thing. The engineer didn't get fired. Mm. And well, I'm talking about like Steve Jobs knew who this person was. Like, How high the, up was this? This person had to have been high up, really high up. Had to have been important. Hey, man, all I know is he was on the engineering team. Mm-hmm. You know, it happened. He was not just the only one. I mean, there were several engineers testing the phone in the field. And the mm-hmm. reason that they had it in the case was because looking at it from just looking at it, you wouldn't know that it was a new iPhone. You would just know that it was an iPhone. But isn't, the, to, you know, a phone, iPhone left in a bar accidentally, that's messed up. It's not as bad as script left underneath my bed at <laughs> some random that, spot I was that, staying at. This is but that's terrible, what I'm man. At. Well, that's right. But but here's the thing. It's like I'm saying that Boyega could sur- he could have survived this because apparently Disney he says that Disney's not going to work with him anymore, much less Lucasfilm. Really? He said that? Yeah, he said Is that. Is that serious? Wow. OK. I didn't I didn't know they got in that serious. I thought it was kind of like, you know, it's all good. And so I'm just saying that he could have survived this um, somehow. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just like fully speculative. When, when did this happen, though? When did all this happen? Like, when did uh, I don't this, know. I got to rewatch. Because I gotta it, is this the a situation like this is something that happened, you know, a year ago and it's just now coming out now? Or did it just because I'm trying to figure out why would he have a script with him? He wouldn't have a script now. They've been they, they wrapped filming a long time ago. Obviously, the, mo- the movie comes out um, in three weeks, two weeks. So when did all this happen? You know, this happened a year ago and it just came out. How did it come out? $85? That doesn't make any sense. Hey, man. $8,500? Hey, that wouldn't make sense. You know, we we talking about somebody would probably pay um, six figures for that script. Especially if it has notes, you know, signatures, you know, any kind of handwriting in it from either Boyega or um, JJ or somebody, you know, anybody, yeah. anybody involved with the with the shoot. That's this dude, that's that's a crazy low number. So obviously, whoever had it had no idea, you know, what it was worth. Yeah, yeah, what they had. And I mean, Boyega went on um, Good Morning America as well as as well as Fallon. I think he went on Good Morning America first. And I mean, there there are several several YouTube clips available mm-hmm. uh, for us and our audience to do. Um, you to know, look more and see research. What but that being said, I think the story is going to be pretty. If you listen to it one way, you're gonna listen. You're gonna hear it mm-hmm. the same way on the other. Because he was the clips I saw in, in Grant. I, you know, to be honest, I really didn't pay too much attention to it because you know I was just like, look, I was like, it was one of those you know this motherfucker moments. Like, oh god, this motherfucker left it underneath his bed. But he seemed to be kind of you know, yeah, it was me, ha 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 about it. You know, and it was like I, by that reaction, I figured everything was cool between him and uh, Lucasfilm and uh, uh, Disney. I would think so. I mean, he even commented to say that, you know, the script going for, for something silly like $85 was probably so low because, you know, it had his name marked on all the pages. Right. Like he's making jokes. About. He's making jokes about it. So there you go. 
Yeah, that, uh, you know, but underneath the bed. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I can't get past that. The only thing worse would be like in the bathroom, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, <laughs> right, 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 above the toilet or something. <laughs> right, that's the only thing worse <laughs> I can think about. So, but, you, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, no, I mean, just changing the subject slightly because I still want to stay on Disney a little bit. I mean, with Disney. Disney Plus, one thing I noticed about Disney Plus, now that we've had it for a few weeks, I think three weeks now, mm-hmm. um, my daughter, my youngest daughter, who's 11 years old, you know, she's been catching up on all the quote-unquote classic Disney cartoons. Mm-hmm. And a few of them being that I know um, um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, um, Lady and the Tramp, the mm. cartoon, not the not the live-action remake. I don't think she's watched that yet. Mm. Um, she going, as well she's as, going um, deep. Yeah, as well as Dumbo. Mm, the original? Yeah, the original. Mm-hmm. In many of these films, there are, and Peter Pan is egregious, but in many of these films, there are heavily racist character portrayals right. of black people specifically, but also um, Asians. Also Asians. Mm-hmm. And the Siamese cats, for example, in Lady and the Tramp, mm-hmm. you know, they have that sort of broken English, you know, ching chong mm-hmm. type of you know, disrespect that's flowing through it. And, you know, and then, you know, every third character is a Negro or a Mammy mm-hmm. in, in these films. And the, the, the gross portrayal of Native Americans in Peter Pan, mm-hmm. um, y- you're not going to see these films taken off of Disney Plus, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And it <laughs> seems fairly hypocritical to penalize Boyega against leaving his script under the bed, you know, or like on the dashboard of his car, even, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you're still pushing these films as classics. Right. These, and not even putting a display. Cause you would think that, cause I saw, you know, they've recently, I, like I was watching, um, into the spider verse, uh, the other night. Yeah. And I've seen this on also on some, uh, Disney plus shows. They recently started putting those disclaimers for photosensitive people. You know, they'll say, oh, yes, right. Yeah. Strobes and such. Strobes. So they're putting, you know, disclaimers and stuff about everything, you know, things that they think may affect people or offend people. You know, they'll put Mm -hmm. those. So you would think that before these type what you just described, they would write a disclaimer that says, listen, you know, we're not going to hide behind the fact that this shit came out in 19, you know, 50, right. 60, whatever. We're right. not going to use that as right. an excuse. Right. There was no excuse for us to have this in our films. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But in an effort to preserve this as it was originally made, we're going to present this, but we want to warn you that there's some offensive shit in here. You know what I'm saying? It seems like they yeah. would, you know, do a disclaimer of that nature to at least let people know, you know, you might be offended, but you should, you probably should be offended by this if you're yeah. not. There's something yeah. wrong with you, but yeah. there is some offensive material in here. They do disclaimers like that for all types of stuff, for profanity, yep. nudity, um, yep sexual content and stuff that stuff that they think is um uh may offend you know or may you know uh uh be hurtful for young young people to see whatever so you think they would do that but overall though i get your point you know if they're going to profit off of those things and you know still have that on their on their um their channel or their streaming service um it does without any acknowledgement that's right that's right Right. it just seems a little just it's just it's just uh imbalanced to me Mm -hmm. there's an imbalance in the force all right, well let's uh, let's balance the force. Let's get into this show, man. We got I'm I'm excited about this. We got a lot of things to talk about today. Yes, so, we do. Um, yes, we do. Let's do, let's dive into this. It. Is Mad Unreal episode seven? Let's go. Yeah. 
so look, so I made a prediction. I believe it was episode, it might have been episode three, but it was certainly by episode four. I made a prediction that we would see a No Time to Die trailer, trailer mm-hmm. by Thanksgiving. Yeah, wrong. I am wrong. <laughs> you said it was going to happen in the uh, Knives Out. Ford. Yeah. No, I thought it was going to be Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, Ford versus Ferrari. I'm sorry. And you yeah, and you saw Ford versus Ferrari, right? Yeah. And there was no time. There was no no time to die trailer. Yeah. Good movie, but no no time to die trailer. Yeah. So you were wrong. But what's the rumor? The rumor is that as we record this, it's December first. Um, you guys will hear this on the fourth, December fourth. So the rumor is that by the time you hear this, or maybe shortly after you hear this, mm-hmm. there will be a No Time to Die trailer. Are they saying trailer or teaser trailer? I mean, there's a subtle difference, right? Yeah, I think it's just trailer. But my thing is, okay, well, where is it going to, is it just going to get inserted into films? Like, what's coming out on Friday? Um, For, uh, who is that? Is that Sony? No. Who's that? Uh, Paramount? Whoever, I think whoever. it's yeah. It's it would be paramount, but also isn't it the discretion of the theaters what trailers that they carry? It's it's not necessarily bundled with because that's what I thought. I thought trailers were bundled with films based um, on this is the studio that's yeah, producing that's this feature point. film, and then these are our company trailers of upcoming films. I think you're right, but I do think that there are certain prestige trailers like you know. Um, Disney is definitely definitely determining where you know a Rise of Skywalker trailer is going to be featured, what it's being featured before. Yeah, um, and, so I, I and nothing's I'm not sure coming up. I mean, you figure. Look, it was like because this is where I was getting Ford versus Ferrari from. So Ford versus Ferrari was November fifteenth. That was the release date in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Queen and Slim, which has had excellent reviews um, mm-hmm. by Lena Waithe, uh, her her the movie she wrote the screenplay for, uh, November the twenty seventh, which mm-hmm. is also. Uh, the release date for Knives Out, uh, Ryan Johnson's film starring Ha Ha, starring uh, your boy Daniel Craig. Right. Nothing. That may so have been like, jarring, though. Yeah, that may have been jarring to see him as 007 right before you see him as this kind of like backwater or whatever detective yeah. he's playing in that movie. I mean, um, even 21 Bridges, even even uh, even Chadwick's 21 Bridges came out on the 22nd. It's 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 odd all the way around though because you would have thought I think James Bond quote unquote James Bond Day was like last month I think I would think it was sometime in October and mm-hmm. that's usually that's when everybody was anticipating something you know a teaser trailer or something um, so it's odd to think yeah what are they going to do are they going to drop it just as a YouTube clip are they going to promote it on their mm-hmm. their IG and you know, you know what Twitter you might be on something there then just say, hey, the whole trailer is available on YouTube. I mean, other other people have done that, you know, other, uh-huh. but a franchise of this magnitude, you would think it would be attached to something, you know, you think it would be bigger than that, um, which makes me think that it's not going to be a full trailer. It's going to be a very, you know, 25 second, 20, 25 second tease, mm-hmm. um, which like, okay, that, that gets to my other question. Like, what do you, what do you need this to do? Now, you know, you, I'm not I, I, as big as you are on the IG posts, and and you you, you yeah. like to see some activity right. on social on social channels that promote the coming of the 25th James Bond film and Daniel Craig's last film, right. what, James Bond. What I need to see, though, what I like, what I like to see leading up to a Bond film is that that huge kind of that moment, that snowball effect. You know, it's like mm-hmm. first you get. 
um, little rumors, you know, a year, maybe a year and a half before the movie comes out. You know, you get little right. rumors right before they start filming. Um, you start getting hints about who's going to be the cast. You get to find out who's going to be the director, who's writing right. it. Um, you get all these little things. Right. And then you get the, you know, the press conference, which reveals, you know, the director comes out like, hey, like Sam Mendes did uh, for Spectre and for, I uh-huh. believe he did it for Skyfall as well and say, hey, here is the cast. This is, you know, um, you have the, you know, the car that's going to be featured or whatever. And then you get the name of the movie, which is a big mm-hmm. reveal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, boom, that's, you know, now it's real. Now we're really doing this. And then you get little, as they're filming, you get little featurettes or something like that. You know, little clips from the film, you know, from the uh, uh, little raw clips from the filming. Similar to what they did with the uh, the uh, the teaser thing in Jamaica that No Time to Die did. You know, that mm-hmm. was, I think even before they had a title, they revealed that. Um, you know, earlier this year. So you get those things and then you get, um, you know, you get a teaser, you know what I'm saying? And you get a proper teaser, then you get a, a full trailer. So, so it's like this, this huge kind of, like I said, a snowball effect of a, you know, a building up of the momentum leading up to a bond release. So for now, at this point for it to be, I mean, this movie comes out, what, in April, you know what I'm saying? Right. So we're literally five months away from this from this release. Right. We've yeah. got nothing. You know what I'm saying? All we 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 do have the name, which came kind of like got leaked out, or almost I, I can't even say it got leaked out. It just wasn't properly introduced to us. It kind of got leaked, and then all of a sudden you saw on their Instagram account, um, yeah, the next name, you know, the next Bond movie is called No Time to Die, and they did the little dope, you know, um, video thing with Daniel walking out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Looking at that, that was sick. We got, like I said, we got the Jamaica teaser thing, which has been the best thing from this production so far. Um, the hot, the uh, the sizzle reel um, from Jamaica. But other than that, you know, everything else has kind of been like piecemeal. It's been like, here, here's a little something. A lot of it hasn't really been controlled by Eon, it feels like. It feels like some of this stuff has just kind of can't come out through leaks and through yeah. um, reportage um, uh, by certain uh, of, of the trades. So what I need for this to do, I need them to make up for lost time. You know, so I need for this teaser that's dropping this week. I'm hoping that it's going to make it feel like, oh, I'm, I, I want them to make me forget all the stuff that they haven't done over the last year. You know what I'm saying? Okay, would it be acceptable if they did not uh, expose the plot? But if it was, you know, that's acceptable. I can't. That's okay. acceptable. That's acceptable because at this point, we we do, you know, we have a hint of the plot. We've gotten, they did release like a little paragraph, um, mm-hmm. you know, some months ago. <clears throat> excuse me, detailing, you know, that it would be, you know, Bond is retired, mm-hmm. um, living in Jamaica, somebody else, Lashana Lynch's character is taking over the 007, you know, name. Um, and then Felix Wright, uh, or, or Felix Leiter, um, Jeffrey Wright, you know, comes and finds Bond is like, yo, I need your help doing X, Y, yeah. and Z. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's how Bond mm-hmm. gets back in the game. And then there's this evil scientist or whatever out there, Rami Malek's character. So we we do get it. We have a hint of what it's going to be about. Mm-hmm. So I don't need them to go deep into that on a teaser trailer. I do need that from a real trailer that'll drop hopefully right after the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the teaser trailer, I just want them to, you know, kick the excitement back up to 10 and make you feel like, okay, I'm still kind of irritated that y'all haven't really done anything over the last year. But you've made me forget that because now I'm excited again. You know, so the the imagery, the imagery and the feel it, this this teacher's trailer needs to be about the feel. It doesn't need to okay. be about so much of narrative storytelling and giving me, you know, something very tangible. It needs to be about the feel and the tone to let you know Bond is back. Every Bond movie that comes out, especially if it's been like five years, um, like it's been this time since um, Spectre. You, you get that feeling like, okay, Bond is back. And they sometimes they even say that in the marketing. 
And that's what this makes. This teaser trailer needs to have that type of tone and that type of feel where it's almost like comforting you and letting you know, chill out. You know what I'm saying? We know y'all have been a little upset because you haven't seen anything. There was a bunch of um, almost it seemed chaotic. We had this director. He left. We got a new director. You know, Mm -hmm. it just felt, you know, for the last year and a half or so, it's been kind of all over the place. Chill out. It's it's okay. Bond is back. And that's what that teaser trail needs to needs to reassure people of. Now, of course, principal filming is is long completed. But do you know if there's any reshoots happening? principal filming really hasn't been long completed i think it completed maybe was that that was uh i could look but i believe it was either mid september or late september oh i thought it was, uh, I thought maybe, it was august i was a little maybe early. even maybe even early october i have to look okay um, okay because they did you know they did post a lot of stuff and let you know principal filming is wrapped um so you know every every major you know big budget movie does have reshoots Mm-hmm. Um, but when yeah, are they going to do reshoots? Because it's like, yo, this movie That's comes I mean. out like, in like, five months. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> now you got the holiday coming up. You know, it's uh-huh. like people are moving on, I'm sure, to their other projects. So it's like, what do you, if you're going to do reshoots, we got to do them now because they need, mm-hmm. what, four or five months to edit this thing. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting times. If it wasn't for, and I've said this before, but if it wasn't for that sizzle reel, that Jamaican sizzle reel, I would really, I think me and a lot of other people would be like, okay, this, you know, this ain't feeling right. Like this, this yeah. may not, this bomb movie may, um, and it's, it's, it's Craig's last movie. So you want it to be like as good, um, or maybe even dare I say mm-hmm. better than Casino Royale. Um, so he has those two bookends, um, of great films. But if it wasn't for that sizzle reel in Jamaica, it would be really feeling right now like, man, what's what's really going on? You know, what's, be what's going on? They will they, they they will need a good, what, five, six weeks just to mm-hmm. edit the thing together. Probably but, you're, you're, you know, you, you've been even more critical of this than I am, especially about the title. So what do you what would make you feel good about this this teaser? Like, what do you need? What do you need to see from it? You know, I thought we were, I was just going to slide into the next. Uh, <laughs> yeah, topic. I know you was trying to get away. I wasn't going to let you get away. Go yeah, ahead. No, what, what do you um, need to see? I think much of what you said. I mean, I do need I, I do need some eye candy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very bond movies have always been very attractive with the gadgets that they have. You mm-hmm. know, um, uh, you know, for example, like knowing that Tesla just revealed their new you know pickup truck. But imagine if, you know, that pickup truck was actually in the film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Similar mm-hmm. to how uh, I think Mission Impossible 3 had the BMW i8 a couple years before it hit production. Right. You know, um, you see the location. You know, I'd like to see two, three different locations. You know, I'd like to see Money Penny. I'd like to see um, the Bond women. Um, Bond women, but I'd also like to see um, uh, Remy Malik in, in, in character. I need to see, I really would like to see him in so character. I don't think you're going to get that. You're not going to get that. Not in the teaser trailer. Because they, they've they been really, like, because you haven't seen anything. I haven't even I seen I know, it's like this dude's like the set, emperor. Nothing. He's like Palpatine in, right. in the Star Wars trailer. Right. It's just like, you, 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 he, he's, he's supposed to be around, but you don't right. know where he's lurking. They, I mean, um, a lot of this, a lot of stuff they've been shooting has leaked online as far as, like, you know, fans being, like, you know, 100 feet, 200 yards away or whatever, taking pictures with their with their iPhone. Mm-hmm. That stuff has been, but Remy Malik, you, I haven't seen or ho- or heard a hide nor hair of him, you know, anywhere near any set. So whatever the, he's, if it seems like he's doing all the Pinewood stuff, like in studio, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. closely guarded, 
Um, but I don't think you're going to get any of that in the teaser, man. You're probably going to wait until the actual, the first trailer. Um, yeah, see, that would just, that. That, that, that would be a disappointment for me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and make me think like um, they either didn't, they, you know, they either didn't, you know, shoot him mm-hmm. or, you know, they don't know how to do it without integrating some kind of plot point and or they're, they're not ready to, to flesh him, yeah. that out or say, yeah. yeah, you know. But see, you know what, you brought up a point, you, you mentioned Mission Impossible, see, we're living in a post Mission Impossible um, Rogue Nation slash Fallout world. And mm-hmm. so to me, there's, you know, there's been a lot of talk, especially amongst the serious Bond heads about, man, they're like, they're looking at Fallout, Mission Impossible Fallout, like that should have been a Bond flick. You know what I'm saying? It was like they've outbonded Bond, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff they're doing in those last two Mission Impossible movies. So for me, that's why this teaser trailer and all the trailers, but this teaser trailer in particular, it needs to capture that Bond tone because mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, and I, I really dig, you know what I'm saying, both of those films. I dig a Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, yeah. Fallout, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's those, I've watched Fallout several times and been like, wow, this movie gets better every time I watch it. Um, and they have outbonded him in many ways, especially with mm-hmm. those those practical stunts that, that um, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is willing to do. Um, versus, you know, some of the stuff that you saw in, in Skyfall Inspector. But the one thing that they can't mimic, that no one can mimic, but definitely Mission Impossible can't, can't mimic, is that Bond cool, that Bond mm. tone, you know, that mm. Bond um, aura, you know, that whatever that that indefinable thing is that really makes, you know, these, these Bond movies that has made them last for 50 years, you know? Yeah. So... I think that this this it would be and, and that Jamaican scissor reel caught that 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 scissor reel and I don't I don't mean to keep harping on it, um, but if anybody well, that's if, all we got yeah that's so. all we got and if any of you haven't seen it please I know we talked about it in our first or second episode, but if any of you haven't seen it please um, jump on YouTube and you know uh, just Google um, Bond twenty five Jamaica scissor reel and you'll find it. Um, but that 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 I think that was what was that like a minute maybe I think it lasted but whatever yeah. however long it was seventy seconds max I think it it captured the cool bond that can't that it outcooled Mission Impossible you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. just those just those few seconds because that's distinctly Bond and if this teaser trailer does the same thing but then ramps it up because it'll actually be footage from the film then. I'll be happy, you know what I'm saying? Because really, again, we only have to wait. It'll probably be right after the new year where we'll get like a full trailer. We should get, I should, mm-hmm. should say, we should get a full trailer. Um, so it's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, it will be. I think you're on to something with the YouTube debut before mm-hmm. it comes in the theater. So well, I mean, like you said, there's really nothing else they can attach it to. Although it's a shame, I think they've missed many opportunities. But in, at the end of the day, if it's a situation where um we've had to wait because they wanted to make sure it was perfect rather than right. release something too early then that that's right. cool i'll wait right all right so let me move from something that we're looking forward to to something that i'm actually not looking forward to and that is news uh rumors that there will actually be a sequel to the joker movie that um todd phillips uh is working with dc on uh a sequel to what Joaquin Phoenix's um, um, Oscar-worthy portrayal from the other things that I've seen about him being considered for best actor, uh, best actor for mm-hmm. his role. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think it should remain a standalone movie. I mean, Joker was touted as being uh, off-canon, a standalone story 
and a part reimagining of how Joker came uh, to be Batman's mm-hmm. uh, number one nemesis and probably the greatest comic book unreal villain this side of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And I think they should just leave it alone. Not just but, ta- not just touted as that. Not to cut you off, but not just touted as that. Todd Phillips was adamant about the fact <laughs> that this is a uh-huh. standalone. There were at many a time, at many times, and it should be it should be noted that the first report of this sequel was made by the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, and Todd Phillips quickly went on after he went on Twitter after that and was like, "No, that was premature. None mm-hmm. of this has been confirmed." Blah blah blah. But he didn't deny it, so to speak. But he just said right. it hasn't been confirmed. Um, but yeah, not just touted. He was adamant about the fact early on during the filming process that there would not be a sequel. Now, I know I'm big on films that I feel we need to see or that between films that we, you know, we don't need to see should be left alone. Um, but I'm really I'm feeling really strong about this because I think that you're not able two things. One, you're not able to continue the Joker story without introducing Batman. Mm hmm. And we're Problem already getting one. a we're already getting a thank you. We're already getting a Batman film mm-hmm. that the Joker is not in. <laughs> so now we're going to fork the story of Batman. And in the midst of a Batman trilogy that's being planned. Mm. <laughs> that there's doesn't a, make any sense to me. There's a lot of problems. I mean, listen, D.C., films slash Warner Brothers, they're in a they're in an enviable enviable position. They have a problem that a lot of studios would like to have. And that's that they spent, you know, what, sixty mil on a movie and now that movie, um and, and not just them, I think they split it with two other studios. Um I think D C films, Warner Brothers did fifty percent and then Village Road Show and someone else did twenty five percent each. So but anyway, sixty mil on a film that now has globally brought in a billion dollars. Okay. So that's like, I, right, you know, that's good. We're, we're, everybody's happy about that. But of course, now you've had, you know, your director, you've had your star, you've had a lot of people associated with the film say this was, you know, they've said it during production of the film that this is, like you said, a standalone or a, in the comic books, as we call it, an Elseworld. In other words, it has nothing to do with continuity of all these other films. It's not going to affect the Matt Reeves Batman. Um, it's not going to affect Birds of Prey which comes out, I think, in uh-huh. in early 2020, uh, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn film. Mm-hmm. So DC, though, when you make a billion dollars, obviously not just, you know, the people in the um, office want to see a sequel, need to make some more of that money. Shareholders are like, yo, you know, what's up? You know, we can't walk away from this. We need to go ahead and do another one, pull the trigger on this and, you know, continue this um, uh, this cash grab. You know, that's what we're here for. So there's a lot of pressure on them. So I, I think... The rumor, I think the Hollywood Reporter was like, yo, um, uh, Todd Phillips had a meeting and he presented the idea of doing, you know, some origin stories for other DC characters, Lex Luthor, Darkseid, you know, other people like that. Mm-hmm. And which to me makes better sense. Lex Luthor makes sense. You know, Lex, I don't know about Darkseid, but Lex Luthor definitely makes sense um, if it's going to be in the vein of, you know, the, of the, the Joker film. Mm-hmm. But, you know. How to your point, how are you going to do, you know, there's, there's several issues. One, how are you going to do a Joker film and you're doing a Batman film, you know, trilogy, Margot Robbie's birds of prey. All these characters are intrinsic to each other. Right. But right. 
none of them want to have anything to do with each other in terms of, you know, Matt Reeves definitely doesn't want to be beholden to, you know, um, Todd Phillips Joker and Margot Robbie doesn't want to have her, you know, Harley Quinn beholden to Todd Phillips Joker movie, you know, or movies, plural, um, for good reason, because, you know, now you're dealing with tonal conflicts. You know, these movies would have to gel tonally if they're going to all link up. And I don't think any of these filmmakers want to be like, OK, you know, restricted to that sort of tone, mm-hmm. um, even though Margot Robbie's Birds of Prey is going to most likely get an R rating. Um, she, I mean, she wants to do her own story and, and deservedly so. Uh, so there's that issue. Then there's also the issue from a storytelling standpoint. As I said, when we reviewed Joker um, a couple episodes ago, one of the issues I had with the film um, is that this guy was an idiot, basically. You know, this guy is not some type of criminal mastermind. Yeah. So if you're going to do a sequel, you can't bring in Batman. You know, we talked about that. You can't bring in Batman. You've already kind of flipped the whole Batman mythos within your, you know, your storytelling because you Mm -hmm. suggested that they may be half brothers or some shit. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you've killed Thomas Wayne has been killed, but that happens, you know, in all the Batman universes. But the Thomas Wayne character was kind of flipped a little bit because he was kind of a, you know, he was an asshole, you know, saying in the the, um, Joker movie. Right. And so are you going to somehow, you know, are you going to evolve Joaquin Joaquin Phoenix's Arthur Fleck into a criminal mastermind? You know, saying or is he is it just going to be him? basically doing random stuff like he did in the first movie and it has some sort of effect you know he almost got caught by two cops man in the first movie the only you know he, by, <laughs> yeah. by just dumb luck he escaped this guy he's just not he nothing about him in the first movie says intelligent mm-hmm. and so i don't see you know that's to me that was the, an issue with the first movie if you're going to go ahead and do a sequel i don't know how you step around that landmine or i don't know mm-hmm. how you fix that problem unless you just all of a sudden, you know, take a leap of, you know, of, of uh, character arc and suddenly this guy is brilliant, you know, which yeah. for somebody like me, that's not going to work. You know, that's that, I'm going to call you out in, in, in real quick in, in the first few minutes of the film, if that's the case. Um, so there's some real issues with this. But again, Todd Phillips hasn't confirmed this. Todd Phillips, is the rumor is that he's going to make about 100 mil off the first Joker movie. Mm-hmm. because he, you know, deferred his upfront money. It was like, yo, I'll take points off the back end, off the adjusted gross, which mm-hmm. is the same thing he did with the hangover, the first hangover movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so smart, you know, and, and it paid, obviously it's, it's going to work out very well for him. So it remains to be seen if he's going to come back and do a joke or two, or is he going to produce it? And then, you know, somebody else will direct it. Um, but still those problems that we just discussed, I think those, those still exist, you know, either way yeah. you go. I, I don't know. I don't know how you get around much everything that that you said, um, but even still, the some of the missed opportunities of develop of character development that were in the first film. I'm, I'm thinking of of Zazie Bates. Zazie Bates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could they could bring her back. They could actually use. But her. like their whole relationship was like imagined. You right. know what I'm saying. Right. Right. We don't know. There's a lot of stuff that happened in the first film that you don't know whether it was real or not. Um, but again, I do know he's not a criminal mastermind. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a constant. That's a constant. That's, you know, that's uh-huh. so what, what are we going to see in the second film? Um, and is it going to be more? Cause I, you know, listen, you know, I know a lot of people love this movie. I don't want to just, you know, completely, um, dog it out. Cause I, I, I do think that there's some good parts about, 
uh, the the first Joker movie, but a lot of it felt like posturing for the Oscars for me. Like a lot of it mm, felt like, mm-hmm. hey, let's do this scene because this is an acting. This is a real acting scene. This will get mm-hmm. you know attention, and we'll show them how you know comic book films can be really acting film. You know, it's like a lot of that type of um, posturing, and uh, uh, it's just uh, just that tone or that feel. I just I just it kind of turned me off from the beginning. So, are you going to do a second film where it's just going to be a lot more of that? Eh, I'm cool. Yeah, I don't need to yeah. see that again. Um, the, you know, there's one other issue though is that a lot of people who aren't, who don't, you know, don't listen to this podcast for sure, and a lot of people who just don't, you know, live in this unreal world or you know, you know, really get into these types of things like we do. They, you know, they take that Joker movie as gospel, and they didn't understand that it was a alternative take on the Joker's origins. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, after she saw it, she said, yeah, you know, I, I thought it was, a, it was pretty good. And I didn't know, um, that was the, how the Joker got started. And as she said that to me, it made me realize she's thinking that that's how Heath Ledger's Joker got started. That's yeah. how Jack Nicholson's Joker got started. That's how mm-hmm. the Joker in any comic book you pick up, that's their origin story is what we just saw in as, as Arthur mm-hmm. Fleck. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. That's one, that's an alternative take on the Joker origin. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after she and I had that conversation, I'm like, wow, you know, a lot of people out there probably think, oh, that's how, when they go back and watch, you know, Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises or whatever, or excuse me, The Dark Knight, they're going to think that's, you know, how Heath Ledger's They're going to reference that as the origin story exactly. that gets you to Keith Ledger. Yeah. They're basically going to think Heath Ledger is Arthur Fleck, you know? And it's like, wow, that's that's not good. <laughs> no, that's, that's not, not good. So we'll All right. see. We'll see if it happens or not. Um, I think if, if I had to make a prediction just from a knowing movie studios and the fact that it made a billion dollars, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whether it happens with Todd Phillips or not, who knows? But it's going to happen. All right. Uh, let's move on from one speculation to another, which is uh, Michael B. Jordan having a meeting with DC about being Superman. Black kryptonite. Black kryptonite. <laughs> Black kryptonite. <laughs> right. Um, I'm looking at an article from IndieWire, and uh, they refer to a meeting that Michael B. Jordan had um, with DC Films, um, who is may or may not have also had discussions with J.J. Abrams about helming uh, mm-hmm. a, a Superman, Superman film. Flip. Yeah. Listen, this, I mean, you can't underestimate, again, the impact that not only Joker has had on DC Films and Warner Brothers, but also Aquaman last year. Aquaman made a billion dollars worldwide. And then in 2017, um, uh, Wonder Woman made Wonder almost Woman. Uh, almost 900 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. So they've mm-hmm. had three years of billion dollar or near billion dollar films. Yeah. Um, and one of them was rated R, right? Um, so that's going to impact how they do things. You know, they're going to look at more rated R, you know, blockbuster films. But then also they want to continue this streak and say, OK, how can we flip this and correct some of the mistakes we made mm-hmm. uh, in the um, the Zack Snyder era, you know, with, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Justice League and with um, Batman v Superman. So and with Man of Steel to some extent, even though some parts of Man of Steel were good to me, in my opinion, but I didn't like all of it. Um, the second half I thought was terrible, but. I think that what this is, what they're doing now is trying to, and, and with J.J. Abrams, you know, Bad Robot, his film company or his production studio just made a big deal with Warner Brothers. I think they get um, 
exclusive first looks at anything that uh bad robot does i think for the next three years or whatever three or four mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. um so they're partners um in a big mega deal so when that happened it was speculated that one of the reasons jj abrams went with warner brothers as opposed to apple or paramount or some of these other studios mm-hmm. was because he wanted to you know have a chance have his have a crack at superman um mm-hmm. okay so it, it's funny though man it's like you know despite the failure and i mean i'm using failure in air quotes because you know these movies made a lot of money but despite the quote-unquote failure of um batman v superman or man of steel or justice league henry cavell still remains a very popular superman you know Mm -hmm. the fandom likes him um and he himself has said you know i want to come back and play that that character yeah that he feels that there's more story that can be told right but he can deliver on that but it's clear that warner brothers dc films is considering wiping the slate clean you know they brought in robert pattinson uh Ben Affleck is no longer Batman. Mm-hmm. Gal Gadot is a holdover. Um, but they're kind of, you know, Wonder Woman 1984, which comes out next year, that may rewrite her story a little bit. You know, they may be doing some housekeeping there, um, mm-hmm. some house cleaning there and kind of reworking her story. Um, so we we'll get, you know, maybe wiping out that Justice League element, you know. Right. Um, so it, it seems like they're resetting. And so I, it feels like they're willing to reset with Superman. But here's the question. Is it going to be a black Superman? Are they willing to step out and do something that's never been done? I don't think in the comics either. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's always been Clark Kent uh, landed in Kansas. And when he landed and they looked in, you know, mom, and Paul Kent looked to see what created that big giant meteor. It was a little white dude. You know what I'm saying? But right. is it is it going to be a little, little, little black dude? Right. And Arthur is mom and Paul Kent going to pick him up and take him home? <laughs> they gonna oh, they, like, or are they going to call the authorities? <laughs> that's cold, man. That's cold. <laughs> that's cold. No, but that's they, would, real they too. wouldn't call I mean, the authorities. <laughs> so, so I have a view. And, um, and keep in mind, know, I, apparently, I'm not necessarily really quickly, keep in mind, uh, apparently Michael B. Jordan pitched this to Warner Brothers. So he has a take. You know, it wasn't like uh-huh. them recruiting him. He's got a take on this. And as mm-hmm. you've seen with Raising Dion on Netflix, yeah. it seems like Michael B. Jordan is going to, you know, involve some type of social statements. And he's not one to right. just play the role and not, you know, bring his culture into it. Um, so I'm sorry. Go ahead, though. No, no, that's OK, because that jibes with with what my wife's view was. So, you know, I brought it up. I brought it up to Joy and I said, you know, how would you feel if Michael B. Jordan was the next Superman, you know, mm-hmm. and she was like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, not to unpack that, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we had a longer shot, I would force you to unpack it, but I'm not going to make you unpack that. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Um, you know, she laid out an interesting argument of how that, of how that storyline could play out. Mm-hmm. So, but first let me, let me tell you, you know, my take, how I feel about it. At, you know, as, at, at at some level, I don't feel that that we or you know an actor of color and or actress an actor or actress of color needs to be inserted into a traditionally um, white white actor occupied role for the sake of we can do this too. Right. Like, Agreed. I don't always feel that that needs to happen and. 
with Superman's backstory before he even, you know, gets to Kansas, you know, he's an alien. He's from this other planet. Mm-hmm. This whole other thing is going down, you know. Um, you know, he, he, he lands in all, of place, all places that, you know, Kansas. He's mm-hmm. a farmer. He's raised. And, you know what I'm saying? You have this whole, you have this whole, pers- you know, European non-person of color perspective mm-hmm. that's bundled up into a superhero who does not wear a mask. He's very visible. Right. Contrast that with a character like Spider-Man. Right. Miles Morales. You, there you go. In in you know you could you could take the same storyline mm-hmm. and sub out people of color, mm-hmm. Queens, uncle dies, parents are killed, all of that works. Mm-hmm. Now what Joy had said is that well you know it would be interesting if you look at white parents who have adopted black children mm-hmm. and that dynamic Superman. You know, young Clark Kent is already weird and strange because he's different. Right. Why don't you just exploit that same theme mm-hmm. and you he's inject in the race of, into it? He's in the middle of Kansas. He's the only black person for, you know, God, you know, how many square miles. And he's being right. raised by and white And he parents. can pick up a tractor. And he exactly. can pick up a tractor. Right. How do, you know, how does, how, does, how does that look? Mm-hmm. How does Metropolis look when he goes to Metropolis? What's the mm-hmm. condition of Metropolis? He's a reporter. What's he reporting on? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm kind of elaborating, building on what, what she was talking about. But you can just take it all the way out. You know, right. is he right. reporting on, you know, on, on police killings of black citizens? Mm-hmm. You right. don't know. Right. Here's, but here's even, and let me add another layer to that. I don't watch, um, and I think it's in its last season, or it might have just finished its, its final season, um, the Krypton, the show on, I think it's on, I can't remember what network it's on, but it basically mm-hmm. takes place on Krypton. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Superman sends somebody back to Krypton back in time or something like that. And so you get to see, I, I think I watched maybe two or three episodes, but you get to see, you know, the society of Krypton. And yeah. I haven't, I, I can't remember from those few episodes I saw, if you know in the background or if any of the main characters even of the kryptonians were of color you know what i'm saying but right. i will say that in star trek and in other maybe even star wars but in star trek specifically they'll if it's a race of humanoids on a planet mm-hmm. even if the main ones that are doing you know the talking and are interacting with the crew from the enterprise um look you're a european there'll be some, you know, persons of color back there, you know what I'm saying, right. that are of this other humanoid race. So it's mm-hmm. like there's the suggestion is, is that this humanoid race has some of the same dynamics as the human race, you know, as far as the Earth, you know, on Earth, it's like you got people of different colors. Oh, well, you go to this planet over here, even though they're not, you know, Earthlings, they have people of other colors as well. So it would be interesting to me is that on Krypton, if you do have, you know, what we would call what we as Westerners here on this planet would call white, black, you know, brown, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you have these different colors on Krypton and uh, Kal-El just happens to be what we would call black, but on his, on Krypton, they don't call him black. He's just, you know, he has darker skin than the guy standing next to him. The guy standing next to him has lighter skin. You know what I'm saying? They don't make those different. They don't make those, um, those, uh, those, uh, they don't draw those lines basically. Mm -hmm. But then he comes to earth lands in kansas and all of a sudden mm-hmm. right he's black <laughs> it's like he's, right and he's caught up in all these he's lenses. caught up in all this stuff and then <laughs> you know when marlon brando appears on the thing in the fortress of solitude he's like oh by the way 
um, unlike on our planet, you know what I'm saying, on that planet yeah, that you landed you're, on. You're going to have to deal with some stuff. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with some stuff because they uh-huh. get caught up in this whole color thing that we don't get caught up in. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That would be that would be interesting. But all of this takes me back to, and I, you know, again, I have no idea what Michael B. Jordan pitched. Maybe he pitched some of this, something similar to this. Maybe not. Um, but it brings me back to David Goyer. David Goyer, um, the writer, uh, he, I think he co-wrote... Um, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, um, he did Blade. You know, he's done a lot of stuff. Um, but it was him and Chris Nolan. He, From what I remember, they were involved in either one of the early Batman films, Batman Begins, Dark Knight. Um, I don't think it was Dark Knight Rises, but one of those early films. They were in the middle of production, and they were, you know, I guess taking a creative break. They were thinking about other shit, so they were talking about Superman. From what I understand, it was Goyer's... Um, semi-pitch, semi-idea, kind of just kind of like, you know, brainstorming that got the ball rolling on The Man of Steel. Because, you know, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan produced The Man of Steel. Yeah. I don't know if Goyer wrote it or co-wrote it. I'm not sure. But his initial idea was that, yo, the real thing about Superman coming to Earth and people finding out about Superman, the the thing to explore is the fact that it's proof of alien life. You know what I'm saying? That Mm -hmm. people would really trip out because it's like, oh, my God, we're not alone in the universe, you know. Mm -hmm. And the other Superman films really haven't explored that as much. It's been more about Superman and, you know, he's a great hero and blah, blah, blah. It hasn't been about the fact that he's an alien, you know, Mm -hmm. and how that would affect people. So that's always been very interesting to me. But then when I think about putting Michael B. Jordan in that role, how would, you know, the populace is already going to freak out. Just thinking about, I'm just thinking about not the entire world, but I'm just thinking about the Western world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 United States uh, specifically, you see somebody flying and, you know, you get word that there's an alien on the planet and he's capable of, you know, these incredible feats of strength and speed and, you know, lasers coming out of his eyes and shit. Mm-hmm. You get word of that. You're already going to be freaked out, right? How is the populace going to respond when that alien is quote unquote black? Because then it's like, hold up, is there a whole planet? You know what I'm saying? Of, of, <laughs> of these black people out in space that are going to come to Earth, you know what I'm saying, and like take over or some shit? You know, imagine the the panic, you know what I'm saying, and the conversations and just what would happen if that was the case. I wonder if Michael B. Jordan actually pitched anything similar to that. Would be wild, <laughs> you know, for him yeah. to pitch. He said that would be wild, and that's something. Obviously, that's something I would love to see. But you know, just the the that narrative, that story. You know, how mm-hmm. would that play out? Um, but you know, is Warner Brothers DC Films going to you know do anything like that with you Which know? Which goes back to what I was talking about with the Batman and the exploration of a Black Commissioner Gordon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, messing around with their. Uh, I mean, to me, Batman is more how do you do that? Goose than Superman, but I, you know, yeah. But yeah, like, how do you do that in a blockbuster? In a blockbuster, you, which you depended upon not to offend anyone. You know, you don't want to offend anyone. You want to get all the money. That's um, right. But just to play devil's advocate, Joker, the Joker film, R-rated. Um, a lot of people I know, you know, was like walking out of there like. uh that movie really wasn't for me, you know, I don't, I'm not gonna say they were offended, but turned mm-hmm. off, you know, mm-hmm. um, still made a billion dollars. So are they willing to do something like that? You know, not like that, but I'm saying, are they willing to roll the dice and say, Hey, let's, let's do something a little bit more progressive, you know what I'm saying? With Superman, um, than we've ever done in the past. I wonder if that was Michael B. Jordan's pitch. I want, mm-hmm. you know, will we ever know, you know what I'm saying? Cause 
they've also said in that story that any Superman movie is likely it's going to be a long time from now because, um, you know, they got all this other stuff. Michael, if Michael B. Jordan is attached, he's tied up until 2024 or whatever. So it's going to be a while, but it'll be interesting to see if he one, if he gets that role or two, even if he doesn't get it, just if we could ever one day hear what what exactly was it that he pitched? That would be good. That would be interesting to know. Uh, so, um, Mike, brother, go ahead and DM me. Uh, <laughs> let me know. A double R T H U double R is my Twitter handle. Because we know he so listens to the show. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, if we could get to something um, near yeah, and dear yeah, to our hearts, yeah, let's we, we've this. had three years of, we've had three weeks, three mm-hmm. weeks of Disney Plus, which means we have four episodes of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we can talk about my man, Baby Yoda. <laughs> right. Deep spoilers. If you have not watched The Mandalorian, we no, don't care. We're talking we don't about care. it. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. We're about to get into it. So we're about to get into it. Um, you may want to come back to this if you haven't li- haven't watched, but get caught up. So episodes three or chapters three and four mm-hmm. of the Mandalorian. Chapter three, I believe, uh, is called the Sin, mm-hmm. and chapter four uh, is called. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me. It's coming. Sanctuary. Chapter Sanctuary. four is called Sanctuary. So oh, before before you dive in, let me ask you. How do you feel about the Star Wars intro? The little, you know, the first, the quick blips they show of like the mask. I love it. Isn't it dope? I was like, that was a very good. I love it. And they don't stack the Star Wars. I like that. They don't stack the Star Wars. They don't stack the logo. Yeah. And because a lot of people, you know, a lot of the deep, deep Star Wars has like, you know, the the crawl should be before everything. You know, it's like every TV, movies, you should always see that crawl. And I'm like, no, I don't want to see that crawl before everything that's Star Wars. Yeah. And it struck me as, wow, this is a really cool, you know, announcement that this property that you're about to see, which doesn't say it's just called The Mandalorian. It's not called Star Wars Presents The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. The show is just called The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a really cool way for them to do kind of what Marvel, like Marvel and DC do, does with their properties. You know, you see the the flipping of the comic book pages and, you know, you see Marvel Studios or DC, whatever. Um, I thought it was just really cool, man, the way they did that. I'm I'm really feeling that. I'm hoping they just use it for the small screen, and that's not something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen. I don't want to see it. Yeah, we don't need to see that in the films. Um, but yeah, I and think I'm, for the small screen, it works. It really works. Also, to note, it's just the helmets. It's mm-hmm. just droids, Kylo Ren, Vader's helmet. Right, it's you don't just see helmets. Luke. Yeah, you don't see yeah. Luke. Yeah, or Leia or anybody. Yeah, I think it's smart. Yeah. So, um, chapter yeah. three, uh, the sin. Well, you know, one thing I want to say, but well, hold on. One one thing I want to point out, Mm -hmm. both chapters are directed by women. Both chapters are directed by women. And chapter three is directed by Deborah Chow, who is. Yes. Going to direct every single episode of Obi-Wan, the the upcoming Obi-Wan series. So this was everybody, I think, was really like, you know, zeroing in on this episode to see, okay, what, you know, how's, how's, you know, kind of almost testing her out. Like, if I don't like this, then I'm going to be nervous about Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, thankfully, episode three or chapter three, excuse me, for she a lot of people, it. from what I see, she brought it. But from what, I, from what from what I'm seeing online, it's like everybody's favorite episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I think I think chapter two may still be my favorite, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not mad. Chapter three, it was a it was the end of the first kind of like act, you know, or arc of the story, and she brought it. Um, she brought it. But let me, you know what? Really quickly, let me say this. And I feel like I have to say this almost like as an allegiance, as a writer, there is a lot of credit being given to Deborah Chow, 
Rick Fumayawa, uh, Dave Filoni. And I feel like all of it is deserved, you know, um, as far as what they've done. Not enough credit, I think, is being given, given to these scripts, man. To what John Favreau is, doing is with these writing scripts. all of these scripts. Yes. He is writing his ass off, man. It's like the dialogue, the, the narrative structure, the nuance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the homage, the, the that homage, he's, that he's the motifs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really, really bringing, it, especially in the first three chapters. He really, really brought it, and I just want to make sure that because, like, some people I saw, like, yeah, when you know, the, uh, when Baby Yoda, you know, takes off the little knob, and you know, then they come back to that later, you know, and they given that they're like talking about it in the context of direction, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, Deborah Child directed that scene very well, but she was directing a script. You know, that was that was part of John Favreau's script. Yeah. And I just think he's making some really, really interesting choices. And like I said, the dialogue has been spot on, um, at I least think, in the first mm-hmm. three chapters, in my opinion. You know, I think it was very smart for chapters three and four um, because of, of the maternalistic nature mm. that's been injected in both. Now, see, it's interesting you said that, though, because to me, I agree with you. But there's scenes that I'm like, man, that's a daddy scene. Like when he says, listen, you've had this experience as yeah. a father. When Baby Yoda takes that or in chapter four, when Baby Yoda is pressing them buttons mm-hmm. and he's like, don't, you know, stop playing with that. And then in chapter three, when he's playing with the knob and he's like, that's not a toy. Mm-hmm. That was a daddy scene because it was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Favreau, I think has two or three kids. So it's like he's writing mm-hmm. this like from his own experience because like who yeah. hasn't said that in that exact tone? You know, and just right. picked up. That's not a toy. Then just picked them up by the scruff of his neck, put them in a different place. Like, let mm-hmm. me sit you over here so you stop touching mm-hmm. shit. It mm-hmm. was just, it was really, I get what you're saying and I agree with you. There's a very uh, maternal, I guess overall it's just a parent thing. You know, there's a yeah. very, this is written, you can tell Favreau has kids, you know, the way he's writing this um, and the relationship between Mando and uh, Baby Yoda. So what did you like about it? Let's chapter three. What did you like about chapter three? What was your... Okay, so one thing I really liked is I liked how we were introduced with two concepts, the way mm-hmm. of the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and um, the code of the guild. Mm. And both of those are strict, time-honored systems of behavior and ethics. And in, in both episodes, episodes three and four, the Mando is faced with the choice of breaking mm-hmm. both of the both the code and the way. And in episode three, he breaks the code. Right. Which <laughs> which which is to he basically took the money, bro. <laughs> he took, yeah. He took the money, then came back and got the package. I'm like, he broke all types of codes. He broke all types of code. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Warner yeah. Her- he, Herzog's yeah. Warner Herzog's a character, the client calls him out at one point. Remember, because he, he d- says at the beginning, he yeah. says because he him, asks him, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?" With right. Him? It was he, like the wire. It was like a wire moment for a second. You know what I'm saying? It was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" You don't ask some type of questions. You don't uh-huh. ask him that. You know it reminds him, like, right? That that that's not the, that that breaks the code. That's right. Not the code He's like, "What?" A, he said. His, he said, "What?" Is that an, not the guild code? Yeah. What an uncharacteristic question. You know, that's you know, you we paid you. You dro- You did what you're supposed to do. We paid you. This never happened. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So why are you asking? Right. It was it was a real it was a very real moment and kind of an unexpected moment in a Star Wars um, property. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I get you. Yeah, those two codes, man. He has he has to make a decision um, what what he's going to do. And uh, I was really in my feelings when I did, when he delivered Baby Yoda to the client. I did not think that he was going to do that. Mm-hmm. What I thought that he was going to do 
was he was going to offer proof of termination. Mm, okay. Yeah, like he's dead. I killed him and then hide him away. That's right. That would have been kind of dope, too. In, yeah. in, order to, in order to find out or hope to find out more backstory mm. about why they would want him. Because it's like, first of all, there are like 50 people that got tracking fobs on this kid. Because mm-hmm. I just basically, you know, annihilated half a dozen of them. Right. Trying to get here. Um, so why are there so many tracking codes? He's trying to figure that out. Which which makes him more suspicious on why they would even want want the child in the first place, mm-hmm. um, and that was an acceptable agreement from the client. Right, the client, so not Doctor Pershing, but yeah, the client, not Doctor Pershing, but the client. Right. So so delivering proof of termination mm-hmm. give would give Mando leverage and to start a chain of an internal chain of events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they somehow find out the kid is still alive and right. You know, all hell breaks loose. Right. That would right. have been an interesting route to go, but I like the fact, <clears throat> excuse me, I like the fact that you and the other people I've talked to, and I, maybe even myself, if I'm if I'm honest, didn't expect him to give that child over. And so when it happens, it was a moment like, damn. Because <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> even Baby Yoda, even Baby Yoda was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what the Damn. Baby Yoda looked over at him like, hold on, I thought we, you know, because I did save your life. Remember the time in the spaceship? You remember? Right. Is this about the knob? Right. <laughs> right. I, I gave it back, damn it. <laughs> so he did give him that look. And it was like, they, they, you know, again, Deborah Chow in that moment, she was like, all right, let's, let's make sure we show him as he's going off into that room, give that last look to the Mando. And Mando looks at him like... Yeah, so it was it was a moment, but um, I do like the fact that a lot of people didn't expect that. So when it happened, it was like this dude is you know he's he does have a coldness to him, you know, right. um, that we've seen right. in other places, and we see it again later on. But um, I th- I thought it was very well handled, and especially to me, it wasn't just the knob or the kind of re- the remembrance that happens, you know, that that parental moment that happens that makes him go back and get the child. It was also because that flashback he had, you know, the, again, mm-hmm. where he's... He's a foundling, you know, yeah. He's a foundling, and, you know, his parents were killed, and somebody rescued him. So let me let me ask you, let's stop there, and let me ask you this. In that flashback, you know, his parents put him in that, hide him away. They clearly get killed. Doors open. Uh, whatchamacallit, droid, battle droid is there about to take, you know, Mando, young Mando out, and then we end the flashback. Obviously, somebody saved him. There's a lot right. of rumors going on around, you know, on Twitter about who it is that saved him. Who do you think saved Mando in that in that moment? Um, well, I have to infer from episode, from chapter four that mm-hmm. a Mandalorian saved him. OK, because in chapter four, he, he reveals to um, the woman on Sorgan. Mm-hmm. Um, he reveals to her that when she asks him, how long have you been wearing that helmet? Since I was, basically, he points to the kids and says, since I was their size, yeah. That's right, that's right. And then says um, that he was, that, that, that the Mandalorians, they took care of him. They took him in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I did make that inference. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you made that inference after seeing chapter four. Did you that's have right. that inference after chapter three? Okay, that's, okay so that's a good question. I, honestly, I, 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 just, I just packed it away. I just reserved. Mm-hmm. 
judgment. I took it as a piece of story that would come into fruition in later episodes. Because mm-hmm. to me, it makes, first of all, we, we kind of are getting the hint that this great purge, we know the empire is responsible for this great purge. Yeah. Um, we are, we don't know if this is, does this coincide with order 66? Does this, co- what, what is this, what is this great purge? You know, when did right. it happen? Um, yeah. Cause so that's another have... thing too. Um, thinking about how, um, in Rogue One, mm-hmm. there are um, God. What's my man's name? What's the droid's name in, in Rogue One? Yeah, I know you're talking about the funny, yeah. the tall, funny one. Yeah, right. <laughs> Him. Right. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking like um, K, uh, KSO. K2SO. 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 So yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. It's it's a it's a leap, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a precedent to say that there could have been like the bat, like that battle droid. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> basically could have saved him may well, not have been the one to destroy his parents because it sounded like his parents would, were destroyed by an explosion yeah that would be interesting that would be interesting um but the other take is that if this happened either maybe post order 66 soon after order 66 yeah the other rumor is that um that i've seen online is that it was a deborah chow it was deborah chow directed episode Deborah Chow is going to be directing all the Obi Wan episodes. Mm-hmm. What if we find out that was Obi Wan that saved Mando? I, you I know what I'm saying? Say, yeah, like what if it was a Jedi? What if it was a Jedi? What if it was Yoda? You know, what if it was Yoda mm-hmm. and that's why mm-hmm. he, when Mando sees baby Yoda, he's not like you know what kind of species is this? He already knows that this species exists. You know, I you know that's those are my thoughts after chapter three, mm-hmm. but after like you after chapter four, I'm thinking. It was Mandalorians that saved him. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not a born Mandalorian. And for anybody who knows, and there are people out there who know far more about Mandalorian culture than I do, but um, anybody who's seen like you know Clone Wars and Rebels and knows a little bit about Mandalorian culture, you know that from what I get, they were a warrior race, became pacifists because of a uh, you know political rule. I think it was a. Uh, What's Obi Wan's uh, uh, woman's name? Satine. Yes, Satine. Um, she was a pacifist and 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 brought that into their government, um, or supported that at least. And then after the fall of the Mandalorians, evidently what we're being told in this series, after this great purge, um, I, from what we can see, is like almost a lot of them got wiped out, and yeah. now they've kind of gone back to being um, to their warrior, their warrior past kind of, it did, did it remind you a little bit of the Klingons almost, especially when they broke out, like when a fight broke out between the Mandalorian and, um, yeah, how they challenge each other for, for dominance. Right. With Paz Vizla, who I'm thinking is voiced by, or maybe even played by John Favreau. Um, mm-hmm. just like pre Vizla was played by Favreau in, uh, the Clone Wars. It's they, you know, they, they, shit jumped off and none of the other Mandalorians like was like oh, oh hold on you know you guys cool yeah, out. They, they they just they, they just let him let they him just decide. let him go they just let him go because it was like uh-huh. you know this is what we do you know let me let's yeah. see who wins and it was like it, ve- it felt very much like a Klingon thing to me um for a minute you know what though Isaac I'm thinking about this it had to have been a Mandalorian I tell you what it couldn't have been a Jedi and the reason why is because in ep- in chapter two when mm-hmm. baby Yoda saved him from you know the space rhino he didn't know what he was looking at because because later he didn't know what the force was. Right. He didn't know what the force was right. because he told he told he told the the the, in the armory, Nolte, he told yeah. homegirl in the armory 
Yeah, right, right. That he told. That's right. That's right. That's right. He told. He told he know that he didn't know what happened. Yeah. He didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. But a, a Jedi could have still saved him just with the saber. He didn't have to use a force. You know, he had to move anything. He had to levitate anything. Jedi could have just came and cut dude, cut that battle droid in half. I mean, that's I, fair. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it was a Jedi, and I don't think that's how they would introduce, um, you know, or bring back. I should say, um, you and McGregor's, you know, Obi Wan into this into this universe. Yeah. yeah. But that's that was an interesting rumor. I think. Again, after seeing Chapter Four, I'm with you. I'm almost positive we're gonna. It was Mandalorians. Yeah, because um, I mean, I would him. think even if he, even if, even if he was saved by a Jedi, Obi Wan or not, you know, and he used his lightsaber. At some point, you're in a battle zone. Somebody's getting force pushed or force choked. Something's happening <laughs> during any battle. Somebody's some, getting somebody's somebody's, somebody's coming pushed. off the ground by some invisible <laughs> will. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So speaking of the of the um, the Mandalorians as a whole, did you in Chapter Four? When you know all hell breaks loose, and well, a couple things happened. All hell breaks loose. Mandalorian makes that you know commitment. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go back and get this kid." Goes mm-hmm. back, turns. He goes straight stealth mode. I love the fact that he didn't just go back, you know, blowing stuff up and you know shooting everybody. And he's like this invincible, you know, Rambo type character. No, he's out. He's outgunned. He knows he can't do that, so he goes in very stealth. First of all, he sets up some recon, listens in. He mm-hmm. hears. Pershing. He hears the client say, um, just extract the material from Baby Yoda. Let's get, you know, and get rid of it. And Pershing says, um, oh, shit, I wrote it down because I didn't want to mess up the quote. Um, Pershing says he has explicitly ordered us to bring it back alive. Mm-hmm. He who mm-hmm. is he? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like we know the client is, you know, Warner Herzog's character. We know, we know he's working for someone. We know Pershing is reporting to someone. So apparently they're reporting the same person. We're right. assuming that it's somebody who, you know, was of the Empire. But who is it exactly? And what is, again, is he connected to the Emperor? Is he connected to whoever is going to be the spark for the First Order? You know, who is he? Um, so that was interesting to me. But then we see Mando go in straight Batman mode and just like take cats out um, one at a time or two at a time, which I, I, the scene was just incredible. Um, and then he frees uh, baby Yoda. But then mm-hmm. when he makes that decision, when they're out in the courtyard and it you know, becomes very, you know, old West again with um, Apollo Creed is out there. Uh, uh, Grief Cargo. Grief Cargo is out there. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like, yo, you know, put down the baby and we may let you walk away. And Mando was like, nah, this is what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to go to my ship. It was it was just a dope scene. But then what was really interesting to me is that when it becomes clear after, you know, he's he's fought his best fight and it's clear that he is completely outgunned. He does the same thing he did in chapter two with that mud horn. Remember, he, he lowered his head. He raised the knife. He lowered his head and it was clear mm-hmm. that he was ready for death. He like a samurai. He basically accepted the fact that he was about to die and he was at peace with it in that chapter th- uh, three when it's clear that he's going to get killed um, by all those bounty hunters, he looks at baby Yoda. He kind of hovers over baby Yoda and just looks yeah. at him. Um, and it's almost like he's becoming one with him. Like he's, he's like, you know, I did my best, you know, we're about to die. So he stops fighting and he just kind of mm-hmm. hovers over baby. Yoda. It was a very poignant scene to me. I loved it. I just, I love how those little moments are being built into this series. Mm-hmm. And then you see that bomb, like right behind his head, you see that missile mm-hmm. going and tag somebody. How did you feel when you saw the, the all the Mandalorians show up? Yeah, when his posse showed up, I, the whole I, crew. I stood straight up off the couch. <laughs> you and everybody else. It was basically wasn't it like watching 
Clone Wars, like a live action episode of Clone Wars. That's what it, that's what it <laughs> yeah. felt like to me. Yeah, the posse came in and they just mopped it all up. And um, and Mando says to um, um, uh, what's my man's name? Paz Vizsla. Paz Vizsla. Yeah, he says to him, you know, you guys got to move the. You got to relocate. Yeah, you have the, to relocate the, because of this. And right. the man's like, this is the way. This is the way. Like yeah, and you hit your chest like this is the you know what I'm saying like this is the way <laughs> this is the way, and that's the second time they've done that because I you know I, like I told you last episode I kind of blew my cool when Baby Yoda um, used the Force in Chapter Two and I told you I think I said on Twitter you know for me that's that's when the Force awakened you know no no shade on the on Force Awakened the movie but mm-hmm. for me that was when the Force awakened post um, you know Return of the Jedi. You know, that moment when Baby Yoda uses the force, that's when I felt it. And mm-hmm. so that was a moment. And then the next episode, man, to see those Mandalorians up there. I mean, we've seen it in in, in the uh, on the clone in the Clone Wars, but to see them and to know that, you know, this is after the Great Purge, whatever the hell that is, they're right. decimated. You know, there's they're only, all coming up road ground. They're they, all coming right. up. Because he said before themselves. only one of us could come up at, at one time, but now they all coming up there to mm-hmm. come get their boy. And it was like mm-hmm. I want to know more about them now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I've always liked the Mandalorians from the, from the Clone Wars, but this, you know, fact of, you know, reducing them and seeing them kind of adhere to this code, um, this, you know, this is the way is, is very, very intriguing. Um, and to see them, you know, it was, it was a moment. It was a big, big moment. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool way to end those first three episodes. Now going in chapter four, and I want to mention that, uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, directed this episode, and she was uh, the lead actress in the, the last two Lost World films, uh, and also was the lead in a great—I forget the name of the episode—but a great Black Mirror episode that focused on uh, social media mm-hmm. and social status. And the daughter um, of uh, Ron Howard. And the daughter of Ron Howard, mm-hmm. um, who directed Solo, and uh, as much as that film was panned, he he he. He never stood a chance taking over for, for <laughs> solo. So, uh-huh. Ron, he's still my guy. Um, I, I, I've talked to some people, and this is not a favorite episode from the consensus. Right. And I, I actually, not I actually like this episode. I like I like how they slowed the pacing all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it fit with the idea that Mando and Baby Yoda needed to get lost. Mm-hmm. needed to get away um, and think about what their next move was actually going to be. Um, I did not have a problem with um, them landing on a planet that had, you know, had this farming community that were being oppressed uh, by this other race that was being backed by uh, a, a rogue Imperial uh, walker. Right. Um, I did like, um, before I get to Cara Dune, mm-hmm. um, I did like the uh, the homage to uh, Akira Kurosawa, uh, uh, Kurosawa's Seven Samurai mm-hmm. film, where Mando and Kara um, trained the farming community to be able to defend their land against um, these invaders. Um, I, I thought that it allowed some space mm-hmm. for some character development that was that I think was needed for the Mandalorian specifically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause like we said, chapter three was the end of that first arc. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It, it went out, you know, spectacularly, but 
and I feel what you're saying. I'm not mad at the fact because I feel like they did need to ramp it up again and give us some space to breathe mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. take in what's happened in the first three chapters and then get some more exposition um, for our, you know, for the Mando, um, for his character and his past. So I think they did that well. I think for me, the problem with this episode is that one, it felt like the first half, the first two acts of this episode really felt like a TV show to me. And this is the Mm -hmm. first time it felt like a TV show to me. And I'm not, that's Mm -hmm. no shade. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, but it felt like the first three chapters had a cinematic feel to them Mm -hmm. that this chapter four did not. This chapter four felt like the first two acts of it felt like something you would see on CBS or something. You know what I'm saying? I had that that CBS Magnum PI type vibe. Right. Right. And I think that's, I think that is to be frank, I think that's really a direction. That's a problem with the direction. You know, that was Mm -hmm. just something about it just felt very uncinematic in the way that Rick Fumiyawa, um, Deborah Chow and even Dave Filoni um, captured in the first three episodes. So that, that shift in tone kind of threw me off. Then, we're talking about cons- well, okay. Well, hold that point, but you're talking mm-hmm. about consistency in 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 presentation. Yes, and that which is not, important. Yeah, but, of, but what about a, of story? Inconsistency of story. Well, that's what I was about to say. I, and I okay. do think okay. I do think consistency of presentation is important because it's a visual storytelling. So there mm-hmm. is a, there, that isn't that is a a huge component of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a narrative, from a storytelling standpoint. I did feel like this was Favreau's weakest script because it didn't, it didn't, it lacked the nuance of the first two scripts or the first three scripts. This script had more exposition and it had more dialogue from Mando than any of the other, um, than the first three chapters. He talked more mm-hmm. in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and he opened up, you know, he obviously, he, he, he obviously felt something for, uh, I think her name was Omera. Um, the, uh, yeah. the widow. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. He felt something for her because he talked to her, you know, and told her some truth. And he told Cara Dune some things, you know, when she asked him point blank, you know, what happens if you take the helmet off? And she was jokingly, but she put it to him straight. And he's like, you know, um, you can never put it back on again, you know, which was a dope line. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying this episode didn't have his have his have his high have his moments, but overall, it just the script kind of lacked the nuance. I would have liked to have seen um, instead of some random bounty hunter coming after the kid i'd like to see maybe a bounty hunter or two bounty hunters that mando has some sort of relationship with you know come after the kid Mm. um and for Mm -hmm. that to be the main crux of the story and maybe him being in that village put some villagers as you know in danger and maybe you know one of the two of them get killed you know something like that and then i felt like the whole like i got the whole seven samurai reference but then and I think Jay said this in a, in a, in a, a text exchange we had, and I agree with him, is that that motif or that kind of um, trope has been in every, you know, television show that features, you know, a lone hero. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been done before. It's been done to death, mm-hmm. you know, where they go into and they protect protect the town and they teach the townspeople how to defend them. So it's been done to death. I didn't I didn't really need to see it done here unless they were going to do it with some sort of a twist, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or some sort of Star Wars type aspect of it, other than the fact that it takes place on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that said, and, I, and I'll, I'll say a few things and I'll shut up and let you get back to your point, but all that said, I did like the fact that I love the way the ATST was handled. You know what I'm saying? I love the fact that it felt like, and you know, Bryce, like you said, Bryce Dallas Howard has been in those 
um, Jurassic Jurassic Park movies. So she understands like that feeling, like those creatures coming through the the you that know the scale. trees, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. and that scale and that that fear. So it was like when you see the ATST, you hear it, you don't mm-hmm. see it, and you see mm-hmm. the trees, you know, shaking. I thought that was a really dope way of showing how powerful you know those machines are, and it was just one mm-hmm. of them. Um, and to Cara Dune's point later on, she's like, I've seen those things, you know, take out whole battalions of soldiers, you know, and I was like, it really made me feel, uh, you know, afraid of those things. And I thought that was mm. dope. And I think they should actually play it on that a little bit more. Um, but overall, I didn't feel the the mortal danger that you feel in those first three chapters. Like, I, okay, those men, this is some of the most violent shit, you know, that chapter three was the most violent shit I've seen in Star Wars. And, you know, Star yeah. Wars, they've cut people's hands off, you know, whatever. Um, slice dude in heads in off in one. Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll say the, the beheadings in Clone Wars are up there with the most violent stuff. But when he goes in, you know, chapter three, when he makes his move on the client's, you know, fortress or whatever, he them, what he does, those stormtroopers, dog, it's like one of them. Remember, he knocks one of them out. Dude not falls down unconscious. As Mandalorian is walking away, he puts one in his heart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, this this is some very violent and you can feel the level of danger in these episodes except for chapter four when they became under attack by those you know lord of the rings looking things um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they like orcs or orgs or whatever the hell those things are Mm -hmm. i didn't feel the you know it just didn't feel as dangerous as those first three chapters felt. i don't know does that make sense you see you see what i'm saying no it makes sense it makes sense and I, I did find I, out those orgs or whatever. Somebody said those were in Jabba's palace, I think, in Return of the Jedi. So those are Star Wars. Because I thought, I saw them and I'm like, damn, that looks like, like something straight out of Lord of Rings. But they, evidently, they are, that they do have some Star Wars heritage. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to, I'm willing to give this episode uh, a pass in part because I believe, because I, yes, we've seen a lot of this before. It, it gave, it gave some good, um, character information about yeah exposition about how the mandalorian felt toward baby yoda Mm -hmm. in other words he he had already he had already broken the code Mm -hmm. of the guild um and he wanted to be able to separate himself from baby yoda to one keep him safe and two to give him a chance at a better life right and to so and to kind of i think mando also wasn't willing to give himself a pass yet. He felt like he did, you know, it was almost like right. that. I don't right. deserve this type of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that was the same kind of denial. Uh, he, 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 the self-sacrificing that he was doing uh, with the widow. Um, but yeah, also she was re- She was taking the helmet off. She yeah, was like, listen, <laughs> she was like, listen, let's go. Let's move we can forward. do this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We got, everybody you know, wants you here. <laughs> I want you here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like, she used everybody, but she was saying, it was like, I want you to stay. Um, it was a very tender moment and she was ready to take his helmet off and he stopped her because um, he was not, he was not ready or willing mm-hmm. to be at peace, to leave the way. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like you know, there's certain there's certain levels. It's just like I I can I can break the code, but I can't break the way. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. this is there, there's I'm, I've I've got too much invested in in this. Right, right. I'm not, um, I'm not ready to. He he became somebody as a foundling when they found him, and he became he chose because you know the 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 uh, armorer said you know when you choose the Mandalorian way of life, you become both the hunter and the prey. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on the word choose. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't, it wasn't mm-hmm. inflicted upon him. He chose to put on the helmet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, he's like, yeah, if you take it off again, once you walk away from that, you can't ever go back. Yeah. He's not ready to do that. Um, so, you know, so I guess I guess I'm looking at this episode, even as I was watching it, you know, I was, I was looking at it as as set up for, you know, chapters, you know, five and six mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. kind of need this to happen. Now, I do feel that that the uh, that the bounty hunter uh, coming to kill Baby Yoda was pretty heavy handed. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how did he get there? How did he find him? I mean, how did right. the range right. of and like and where exactly is this tracer on Yoda? Why can't we find yeah. it? <laughs> Why can't we? I think is the it way the robe. You know what, <laughs> the way they said it, the way the way they said it in episode two or one or two, one was where a chapter one where he was like, you know, those tracers are based on a number of things. One of them being birth date. You know, okay. the code. Oh uh, yeah. The, yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I forgot yeah. what they called it, but. Some of, so it's almost like I, you know they need to explain the chain, it a little bit more. Wasn't there yeah, a chain, the chain code? Yeah, the chain code, and it's like okay, so are you tracking someone based on their DNA or something? It's like what kind of tech is this? You know, this is mm-hmm. something I haven't seen in Star Wars before. So that's better than some of the stuff that they got, you know, on Star Trek, the way they're tracking people. So yeah, yeah, I don't know because it does. It, it would be if he if he has a tracer, it would be like okay, we need to scan him and remove the tracer. But I, I'm guessing it's some sort of um bio tracer you know the way they're they're getting a hold of this kid but to your point yeah it was heavy-handed as a way to say okay he's never going to be safe i can't leave him here um Mm -hmm. it was a heavy-handed way of doing it. i just think that's why i said i think that it need to be more nuanced in that 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 part of the storytelling um and i think maybe you know bringing some other personal stakes in for the mando as far as like you know maybe these are two bounty hunters or a bounty hunter that he knows and he has a relationship with yeah um maybe it's an ex-girlfriend I don't, I don't or think, something i don't know did he walk up on like after kara shot the he turned him over he never said you know oh, yeah i know this dude he just turned yeah, him okay. over and was like you okay. know they, they're gonna keep coming um but I, I i i really liked the things i really did like about this episode i liked the exposition i like what we learned about mandalorian um the mandalorian i liked Cara Dune giving some more context to what happened mm-hmm. after Return of the Jedi. Because mm-hmm. she says, you know, um, after everything happened on Endor, um, they sent us in to clean up, you know what I'm saying, to basically take care of these rogue Imperial warlords, blah, blah, blah. The only thing I'm confused about is that he introduces her, he says, she's a soldier, she fought for the rebellion. Then yeah. later on, he says, she's an ex-shock trooper. Weren't mm-hmm. the shock troopers... Um, part of the galactic empire weren't they stormtroopers so i'm like okay was she a stormtrooper slash shock trooper during um you know post uh prequels and then she decided to flip and be you know join the rebellion and then she joins the rebellion that's that's the only thing i could see i was like okay i kind of want them to confirm that or maybe i need to go on wikipedia or something to look but they need to confirm that because i'm like that that threw me off a little bit because i understand what where you know how do those two things connect and at um, first glance i would have thought that the shock troopers were all part of the same camino clone cloning group well and that's another thing it's like okay so and not to go deep into the clones because i think we could do a whole episode on this but I, from what i understand that generation of clones that we see following order 66 you know the which Rex, is Cody, Fett, all, you know, all fett's the, lineage uh-huh. right all those cats they, you know, they got that accelerated aging. So they eventually, they, they die quicker than, you know, within, uh, probably within 20 years, they're dead. You know what I'm saying? At 20 or 30 years, they're gone. Or at least their fighting skills have eroded to the point where it's like, you know, they can't be useful in the field anymore. They're, they're, they've aged out. So 
at some point during, um, you know, post prequels and probably pre original trilogy, the emperor makes a decision. I'm not, we going to shut down Camino and just, we're going to train, you know, young children and brainwash them and they're going to grow up to be stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point that makes sense. Okay. Cara Doom must've been one of them, you know, that got, you know, they brought up snatched. as a child, got snatched, mm-hmm. brought up as a child, became a stormtrooper, shock trooper. And then at some point, you know, walked away and decided to join the rebellion. That's the only way I can figure it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm like, okay, are we going to see in the Mandalorian? Are we going to get to see Rex? You know, Rex was in, they confirmed that Rex was in Return of the Jedi. He was one of those um, uh, ex-stormtroopers who joined the rebellion, stormed, uh, helped them help Han Solo and them storm that that uh, satellite station on Endor. So right. is he going to show up? You know, maybe we get, because Dave Filoni's involved. So maybe we get Rex and, you know, the Mandalorian or something, which, you know, I would, I would love that. Um, but yeah, I, that was, that was something I was a little bit confused on was about, um, uh, homegirl's, uh, uh, history. But other than that, man, I really liked, you know, the exposition she gave. I liked, you know, learning more about Mandalorian. I just felt this episode, yeah. it just, it just kind of felt, um, it didn't live up to in my, in my opinion, to the, the, the first three. So if I had to rank them right now, my favorite, I think my favorite is still two. Mm-hmm. Um, even though three is just was was spectacular, I'll still go two, three, one, four, and one. Dave Filoni's. I've gone back and watched that one. We'll talk about it, you know, during our during the the the, the big wrap up. But I got to say, I like one a lot more than I did the first time I saw it. Yeah. Okay. I think three is my top at this point. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Um. I think that's it. Anything else on your mind? That is it for this week. I look forward to um, continue to dive into the Mando over the next couple of weeks. It'll wrap up right after um, Rise of Skywalker hits. Um, so we only got, you know, we've got four more episodes. They still got to introduce Gene Carlo bugging yeah, out. Yeah, they you know, do. Bugging that's out right. is coming. He's really going to be bugging out because evidently he looks like he's an ex-Imperial. Um, Moth. Yeah. So it's like he's he's definitely going to be bugging out. Um, I think the next episode is directed. I think it might be another Filoni episode. Um, hey, have you have you seen? Okay, you remember how in the trailer for the Mandalorian, like it's like the opening shot, we see stormtrooper helmets on spikes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you seen that yet in the in the show? I don't. No. I, I don't think we no, have. I, I haven't either. I haven't either. I wonder and if I, that's going to be a classic. You're not going to see it. And I question whether or not real. those are, are. Yeah, that might be in a deleted clip. I question though, are those. Stormtroopers got beheaded, or are those just their helmets? You know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 that's that's interesting. I do like the fact that the stormtrooper who walked in um, at the beginning in chapter three, when Mando tells him, "Be careful with that," he just the stormtrooper just sounded so old school stormtroopery when he said, uh, "You be careful." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a dumbass! You know, what I'm saying it's like a whack comment. You know, comeback so original trilogy you know stormtrooper just you know but these i i kind of you know i kind of want more of their story because it's like why are they still are they that brainwashed why are they still Mm -hmm. with these you know the empire after you know the empire has fallen and who deserves who left you know but if you figure i mean let's presume that they're clones well they can be clones because like the clones got phased out these got to be by this time the clones from what I can, from what I can tell, by this time those clones, Camino has been shut down, basically, you know. Yeah. So which says why is Doctor Pershing 
if he's from Camino, is Camino still doing some type okay, of Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. You because know. if Rex is an because if, if Rex is an older man. Yeah, he's an older and by this time by Rex is yeah, Rex is Return old. Return the Jedi. Yeah. Then this is the new this is the new wave of Stormtrooper. Okay. I honestly think that we're gonna see this ramp up into the seeds of the first order. You know, I don't I don't mm-hmm. think we're gonna find out that it was the Emperor who sent, you know, the client to get you yeah know, I, I think that's too convenient i think that's yeah. too convenient now you know we've talked about offline how i feel that there's going to be there's going to be some references in the mandalorian that will 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 help the rise of skywalker mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. this film is going to need all the help they can get, <laughs> can get and i think that you're going there's going to be a tie-in in some in some threat Mm-hmm. Between the Mandalorian series and Star Wars Episode Nine, mm-hmm. um, let me ask you this though: How much? First of all, do you, do you do you agree with me? And if so, how you know how much information do you think will filter upstream, if you will, to Episode Nine? How much of what's going on in the Mando is going to filter to Episode Nine? Yeah, because I don't think uh. it's a coincidence that that right now the issue seems to be. Baby Yoda's midichlorians mm-hmm. and mining those. Yeah, and see, that's that's the question. They haven't said the word midichlorians yet, and mm-hmm. in Mando, and it's like, are they gonna? You because know, when that was introduced in the prequels, First, there thought, was some. There oh, was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was some backlash. It was like it was just it was too science, you know, too scientific for Star Wars, blah blah blah. But and they haven't. You notice they haven't mentioned it since then. Um, I don't. You know, it, this may be a fake out. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it to me is it would be very easy to say, okay, these are metachlorians that the uh, baby Yoda has, and that's what's going to help you know bring the Emperor back at some point. So they could do it in a way that if you go see Episode Nine and you've seen the Mandalorian, then you have that extra bit of information. You know what I'm right. saying? So like when they mention it in extra, uh, Episode Nine, you've got backstory because you've been watching the Mandalorian for six weeks or seven weeks. Mm-hmm. But they could also do it in a way that's like. I could see them saying, you know, um, you don't have to watch the Mando, you know what I'm saying? If you didn't watch the Mandalorian, we'll mention it, you know, this is, you know, that in episode nine, we'll just say we brought back the emperor because we found a, you know, a, a baby, you know, Yoda that had the medical, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? A they child could just, or something like yeah, that. They yeah. could just, you know, mention it offhand. And it's like, if you haven't seen the Mando, then when everybody in the theater is like going, Oh shit, Oh shit. You know, you're not, you not to watch Mandalorian, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I need to watch that, but you still are cool watching um, episode nine. My hope is that they don't do either, though, man. I just, like I said last episode, I'm not, I'm not feeling combining these two things. Because to your point, I feel like it's really only in service of saving episode nine. You, you know, it's like episode nine ain't helping the Mando at this point. You know what I'm saying? It's like Mandalorian is doing fine. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, anything, any kind of connection is really just put in place to make people feel better about episode nine or to get at least, at least get the um, serious star Wars heads excited about episode nine. Right. Um, the ones who are not, you know, so I'm cool with it. Not, um, but we'll see. We'll find out in what shit three, two, three weeks, About two, three weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really did like the reveal non reveal of the Mandalorian when he took the helmet off. While he was uh, I did. I thought that was dope. <laughs> ah! I knew I we were going to have some, uh, some, some direct, some DO. So, some I didn't DO. know where it was going to come from though. I didn't because the reason I, I wasn't didn't like mad it, at that. the reason I didn't like it is because he just said, you know, basically said, I don't take it off when anybody else is around. Then he goes to an open window where somebody could easily just look up and see him, and he takes the helmet off. Bro, he was standing at an angle. Nah, they should have. They should, from a again, and I, I'm not 
you know, I'm not throwing shade on uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, but I do think some of the choices that she made, I just wasn't feeling. Because I feel mm-hmm. like have him draw the curtain, you know what I'm saying? And then we switch from his point of view, we switch to Amara's point of view. She mm-hmm. looks up and mm-hmm. she sees his outline behind the curtain. She can mm-hmm. tell he's taking off his helmet because it's sitting mm-hmm. right next to him, but mm-hmm. she can't see anything, you know, mm-hmm. do it, do it that way. But the way they did it, it was like, damn, if she looks up right now, she's going to be looking dead in his I face. I know, but the thing is, it was more important for, it was more important for us to see his point of view on baby Yoda playing uh-huh. with the other children. Playing with the other ones. Yeah. So he could. Because that fed his, fed his feeling about, you know, that's when he makes his decision. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I still didn't like it, but I'll give you that. I think I'll say this before we, before we out. I think that we are going to see his face probably before the season is over. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be him taking. I think his helmet is going to be forcibly removed from him because remember, <laughs> it the wouldn't arm- be funny if Baby Yoda just like removes it, <laughs> right? Levitates it off while he's sleeping or something. Like, yeah, you gonna leave me? You gonna leave me? Huh? <laughs> right. Well, Let's see what you really look like. But, <laughs> but get I think you. the armor because armor says she she asks him. Remember, she says in chapter three, she says. Has anybody, have you ever taken your helmet off? And he's like, no. Yeah. She said, has anybody ever removed it? You know, mm-hmm. she asked him that question. Mm-hmm. And he, he also says no to that. Mm-hmm. But I imagine maybe one of his enemies um, is going to forcibly remove it, which is going to be, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine how heartbreaking that scene will be, man, if that happens mm-hmm. like that, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, for him to, you know, that's, he, you know, for evidently for the Mandalorians, that's just an act of great, you know, um, dishonor. Shame. And, yeah, shame, yeah. shame, you yeah. know, so... I think that's where it's going to happen, but we'll see. We'll find All out. Right. Well, we know that there's a season two because Favreau already IG'd the, a shot of the Mandalorian helmet. So, right, yeah, we have um, these answers. Have the, you know these answers are coming? So it'll be interesting to see if that season will be you know eight maybe or maybe they'll bump it up to ten episodes. We'll see. Cool. All right, All right man. This has been great. This has been a really good conversation. So look forward to uh, next episode. We'll dive into some more of this and some new things. You guys, um, sending you. We had we got a couple tweets that we aren't we weren't able to get to today um because we ran out of time but we'll get to them next episode um so you guys continue to send in your tweets hashtag on mad unreal um hit us with your thoughts questions on everything from joker to by this time you have seen the no time to die trailer so hit us up on what you thought of the the uh the, the new bond trailer um my, what do you think about michael b jordan the superman um let us know what you think about that um, and of course, Mandalorian and everything else is going to be happening early 2020. You got a lot of stuff happening in early 2020, so it's going to be a lot, to, a lot of Marvel stuff um, and a lot of uh, some DC stuff, some some very interesting things. So I look forward to diving into that. So you got us hit hit us up, Mad Unreal, um, and we will see you soon. You can find me at Isaac Perry on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Arturo, where can I find you at? I am a double R T H U double R on Twitter. All right, peace as real as always as real Jesus. I mess this up every time. You need um, to write that down. I need to write this down. Um <laughs> as always, keep it unreal. Peace.